Welcome to a special edition of The Wrap-Up. I am your host, Daniel Goldblatt, Assistant Managing Editor of The Wrap. My co-host, founder and editor-in-chief Sharon Waxman, is off this week, so we're going to do things a little differently. Back in June, Sharon interviewed Succession star Jeremy Strong from his home in Denmark for the cover of our Emmys Hot List issue of The Wrap magazine. Strong, who is nominated for Best Actor in a Drama for his portrayal of Kendall Roy on the show, talked about how he approaches playing Kendall and what it's like to act opposite someone like Brian Cox. They also discussed how season two ended, what season three might hold, and of course, Kendall's infamous L to the OG rap. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Jeremy Strong. So nice to talk to you. Hi. Thank you, Sharon. So you're, you're, uh, I'm going to take notes while we're talking. So if I'm looking at the screen, just, uh, I'm just actually typing because I, I have a deep fear of the recording failing and then I won't have it. And so that's what I learned in a thousand years of doing journalism. Sure. Um, so you're, you're in uh, Copenhagen? And really serious journalism, by the way, you know, like, <laughs> like. Uh, you look me up. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have done a lot of serious journalism. I wish I could look figure out how to lighten up a little bit. That would probably be healthy, but you would not be the person to talk to about that, particularly given what I, I guess not. Put, up, put, up, put up on screen. Um, so to just let's get a little framing going. So you're in Copenhagen because you live in Copenhagen. I am in. I'm in Denmark. I'm actually in a in a a, a, a sort of small fishing village um, mm. on the coast, uh, about an hour north of Denmark. Um, we I I live in New York, usually. Uh, but my wife is Danish and her family's right. here, and we spend we spend a lot of time here. And uh, we were we were over here for a few months in the winter, and then we happily were stranded here uh, mm. during during Corona. So are you uh, are you still under quarantine? Are you done with that? No, to be honest, I mean Denmark was one of the first countries to shut down, and mm. and 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 you know they were they were pretty um, rigorous about the about the about the lockdown nationwide, and so this country's really been open and relatively virus-free for about three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, my two-year-old is back in school. Restaurants <gasps> are open. Wow. N- Noma is open as a burger, wine bar. It's very, um, it's, it's very, like, discordant with, with the rest of the world. And, and, and for me, sort of devastating to see from over here, what's going on in, in our country. Um, but, but, you know, of places to be stuck, I feel very lucky to, to, to have been uh, holed up here. Mm-hmm. How, how, what is the view of what's going on in our country from where you sit? Um, you mean, you mean, in, you mean from Denmark? I mean, from well, I mean, from you know, your, this is from a, your point of view. It's 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 a very pro, this is a very progressive country, and you know, a very you know socialized medicine yeah. education. The prime minister is the youngest prime minister in its history, a forty-one-year-old woman named Meta Fredrickson, and you know, their their response to this was incredibly uh, coordinated, thoughtful, calm, sanguine. You know, all all of the things I guess that that. Um, that we seem to have bungled so so catastrophically at home uh, because of the lack of leadership. So so, yeah. I mean, I don't want to put well, my foot I, in my mouth, but 
No, but, no, not at all. But I was asking also, I mean, what's been going on here for two weeks, obviously, are these mass demonstrations across the country and so, yeah. some in Europe now as well. Well, uh, here in Copenhagen, too. But no, certainly, you know, I can see the country, the upheaval that's going on. And, and, and actually, what I glean from it and from talking to people in New York and in L.A. is also conversely a sense of hope, a sense of possibly, yeah. you know, something finally, you know, coming out of this, you know, I, I was, I, I sort of, um, as an actor, I've gotten to be part of, I was part of Selma. I was yeah. part of Catherine Bigelow's film Detroit, which is about the 1967 Detroit riots. Mm -hmm. And I just finished Aaron Sorkin's movie, The Trial of Chicago Seven, which is about the 1968 Chicago riots. And those are all stories about racial injustice and uh, uh, protest and, you know, virulent protest. And so, so it does feel both a sense of history repeating itself, um, but also a sense of maybe progress. Um, but it also, it, you know, sadly, it feels all too familiar, like we should be further than this as a, as a people. Um, mm -hmm. but I, but I guess it, this does feel somehow maybe because the rest of the world is in such a vacuum right now, it does feel like the whole world is watching. There's nothing else to distract anyone from the, the urgency and, and, um, you know, sort of implacability of, 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 you know, of, of what's happening in this historical moment. You know, there's no Eurovision to be like distracted by or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, that presumes you watched Eurovision, which you must be very desperate for some distraction if you're watching that. But yeah, <laughs> um, I used to live in Europe and uh, there's a, people tend to watch it even though it's awful. Um, I, I've not seen it, but I, but. Oh, uh, trust, trust. It's, well, it, it has a certain but it's everything camp. that it's, it has it's a everything certain that camp, it's cracked uh, up to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You haven't lived till you've seen the Azerbaijani, you know, I'm uh, sure. home team. Yeah. Um, well, I will say, do you, is, is there anything in you that, that at all regrets that you're not here, considering you have um, been part of these different films that, you know, depict this, that moment in history when civil rights was at the forefront and, um, they're, they're, I'm glad that my children are able to see this. Uh, I, I like yeah. you. I'm hopeful, sad um, at the tragedies that that had that set this off, but hopeful that yeah. we can learn and see real progress, see real change, see real change finally, and also, you know, happy to see how broad the the response has been. It's certainly not just, you know, people of color and a few um, allies. No. allies. It's really very, very broad. So is there any part of you that feels like you wish you were here at all at the, during the Sure. Time? You know, sure. I, I, I wish I could be there just to physically be out in the streets and, and, and sort of be, be marching in solidarity with, with, um, you know, with, with everyone. And, and, uh, but I, I, I do feel, you know, this time has, has strangely been for me and my family, um, 
sort of a, a fallow period. You know, I have two young, I have two children, two little girls mm-hmm. under two. Yeah. So, so we've just kind of been in, 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 in a bubble, of course, not in an insular bubble. I'm not unaware of what's happening. And sure, I, re- I, I wish that I could be part of this movement and I am in my heart and spirit and, and, uh, and in my thinking, um, and will be when I'm home and, you know, and am through my work as an actor, I'd like to think, um, getting to be part of platforms to give voice to these stories uh, and be a messenger for these stories. But, but I, you know, but I also feel um, very lucky to be in a country um, that, uh, that right now is in a period of relative um, stability and, and, and harmony. And it shows me uh, an example of, you know, what, what could be, um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's go back. It's been, uh, it's been a while since Succession was on the air and it is remarkable that with all of the content that's out there, um, it's still, it has that staying power as a show that all of us who are sort of thinking about what is going to be in the Emmy race this year, it, it's really very much front and center. And um, so that, that's an amazing testament to the impact of those performances and that story. Um, talk about, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, how the character has kind of resonated with you over time because you've not been on a set for quite a long time and I have no idea is when season three is going to start. Do we know? I don't know either. I mean, I know as soon as, as soon as it's safe enough to, to, to do so. And I know that HBO is, you know, uh, um, you know, chomping at the bit, but at the same time, I think they are not uh, as our sort of, as our studio, they want Jesse to have the canvas that he needs to have. And so there's not a sense of putting the cart before the horse. They're going to, they're going to give us whatever time we need to do it in the right way. So that, so that nothing is compromised. We're not going to try and, we're not going to try and shoehorn, I think anything into a, a, compromised way of of making the season um but i know that i know that everyone is is hoping to go uh as soon as possible were you supposed to be shooting already yeah we were supposed to be shooting in early april oh oh my god yeah oh you're yeah be shooting so if, you know it, it will have been at the end of july a year uh since we wrapped season mm. two mm-hmm. which is a long time you know for it to be sort of uh dormant in 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 me and in and in all of us well so that so so essentially that's sort of what i'm what i'm asking is how how are you feeling uh uh about the resonance of that experience because it's such an intense experience for you to play that that to play your character yeah um you know i'd be lying if i said that it is still hanging over me. I think I've, I think I've really left it and, and, and I'm able to, 
um, to leave it when 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 we're not working. And I did it, and I and I also sort of went and did this Aaron Sorkin film mm-hmm. after we wrapped, and went into a very other sort of disappeared into a very other different character and world. Mm-hmm. So that also takes me even further away from from Kendall. Um, I guess I both have a trust that he at this point uh, feels uh, like a part of me. It's, I mean, it's so, I I think the work that I've tried to do is about internalizing the writing in such a way that it becomes um, a part of me and it kind of just takes over my life. Um, I don't know you know, in, in both good and, and in difficult ways, but, but it, it does sort of, um, it does kind of just take a hold of you. So when we're working, which is a seven month shoot approximately, um, there's this sort of pallor hanging over everything, which is Kendall's, you know, experience. I think the kind of uh, sense of, um, well, especially in season two, um the 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 anguish that he's in the sort of silent anguish that he's in it's a very Mm -hmm. internal it's a very internal sort of collapsed um um bless you um place but 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 for now you know i've sort of um i'm trusting that that's that that's there in abeyance and, and I'll be able to find the thread back to it. Um, but I, I, I haven't felt the need to sort of stay in it or sustain it. I think Kendall, it will be right there for me. Um, oh. when we get, when we get back to it. And, and, and part of it, I think is that is the, there's something about this writing. I remember a friend of mine was doing angels in America the revival off Broadway years ago. And she said that Tony's writing, it was like a set of powerful magnets that oh. just drew everything out of you. You didn't oh, really man. have to do anything. And I, I, I feel that way about Jesse Armstrong. There's something oh. about his, his writing that just kind of reaches into the base of my spine and, 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 um, and, you know, uh, uh, kind of activates everything that it needs to without my having to uh, do very much. I think a lot of the job as for me as an actor is about in a way creating kind of negative space for the writing to, to act on me and to sort of enter me and for me to internalize it as in, in, in a visceral way. Um, is, is that, does that mean, I'm really curious about that process. So, because the writing is extraordinary and the acting is extraordinary, it's amazing to me how much of the writing um, I remembered when I watched so the episodes last night. I used to do that um, with Veep. I do that with some certain shows that where the writing is so strong that you I, you want to just experience it as entertainment, and then you kind of want to go back and listen to the writing. Right. Um, you know, that's another like extraordinarily well written show, completely different but yeah but some of those writers are in our room actually oh shoot no way well that's funny because i would uh, characterize the writing as very 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 spare veep is like this you know avalanche of words and i can't imagine how much the actors have to memorize and get it right to get those insults 
but this is so the opposite. I, you know, I'm always noticing how much people are, how much the actors are conveying with just a, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of that. And so I wonder like how you get that from the writing because the, on the page, it just says, uh-huh, <laughs> but there's a world in that. That's right. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the whole, that's the whole thing really is that it's not about the words and in a sense it's not about the writing it's about the kind of plate tectonics mm. of the thing mm. that and and the kind of groundwater that the writers and that Jesse have so masterfully kind of laid in so that i feel a sense of the words are sitting on top of a volcanic amount of subtext and kind of subterranean dynamics. And, you know, I think as an actor, um, for me, you, I, I, I sort of go to a place in terms of character of, of, of uh, what do they need and, and, and how are they in trouble? Um, and so the character, Oh, mm -hmm. like how is, how is, how am I in trouble? How is Kendall in trouble? Mm -hmm. And, and with this, there's such a sense of kind of infinite trouble. Um, and there's such an oceanic need that, that, that is really like a, 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 an, an immeasurable need for, love for approval validation to prove himself to become his own man to get out from under the weight of his father and also the the trouble of sort of you know the burden of expectation of legacy of what he's inherited the damage that that's done to him the 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 sense of sort of being locked in this struggle um, to, you know, and sort of just fail, just missing the mark, just, just failing repeatedly and to, 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 to hit the mark or overshooting the mark. And so there's, there's just a great deal of uh, turmoil, I guess, when I say trouble. And, and, and so, so all of that is is sort of there um, around whatever's happening, but it's all just in the it's in the. Do, do you know what I mean? So that it's the scenes well, yeah. are loaded and really saturated with with so many subtextual kind of. So how does so then if it's not it's not in just the words, it's in what the words imply, and all of that you feel. So when you are transforming yourself into this um, damaged, uh, damaged person, you know, are you, and when you were first creating him, because now you're going back to someone you've already created, was this like long conversations with Jesse about who he is, or is it your city? No, very, you know, very little actually, you know, Jesse and I have, a, we, Jesse and I are, are very, closely in touch and work very closely together in terms of, um, I would say, you know, uh, 
he, he, he allows me a great deal of freedom to, to sort of advocate for my character. And in a sense, I feel, you know, that the, the actor should be in the best position to advocate for their character. You should be an authority on your character and you should know your character in, in, a, in a more felt way than, than maybe even the writer, uh, certainly as much as. So, so Jesse's incredibly open to that, but we don't do too much talking about the psychology or the, or the inner life. I guess that's just a matter, I mean, quite simply, his damage is mine. You know, it's my damage. It's those are my, that's my humiliation. That's my striving. That's my, um, so it's all quite raw. And, and maybe, and the writing I think is, is raw as well. Um, but I, I do feel a sense of, um, yeah, I just, I try and, I try and internalize the writing uh, and, and, and to a place where it becomes really unconscious. So those, so those mm-hmm's or whatever, you know, that you, <laughs> that you said, I, I guess my goal as an actor is to, is to take away any kind of performance at all um, and just exist and be in, 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 the, in the circumstances and, and try and approximate as much as I can a total sense of belief in that. Mm -hmm. So there is a belief that I have that I'm Kendall. Um, and so then I go into the scenes and, and relate to the other characters uh, with that as if. Um, well, I mean, you also have some great uh, counterparts. I mean, you know, those scenes that you, Brian Cox is just a monumental. Yeah, he is. It, it must yeah. I, I don't know how that how that interplay goes. Are there are there a lot of takes? Because so much about this season, it comes down to that you know Titanic moment where he says, "You're going to take the fall." No spoilers. Yeah. It's been out forever. Uh, you're going to take the fall, and you just suck it up. Um, and you're on this insanely large yacht. I was thinking how much it costs to rent that yacht. A lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe the biggest yacht I've ever seen <laughs> and you know the sparkling ocean or I don't know where you actually were but it looks we like we were in Croatia and you know we were in Croatia and you know certainly uh, I don't come from any money uh, money um, yeah. but the Roy's are you know that stuff is pedestrian for them so so you, you almost, I had to treat the yacht like you would treat, you know, uh, the, the Toyota Cressida, the beat up Toyota Cressida that I had in, in high school. Um, and you know, that, it, that it is a, that it is, um, just a, you know, very, um, uh, uh, what's, what, what's the, just a very kind of, you know, prosaic thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, you know, that, in terms of scene partners, yeah, you know, Brian is, is Brian is just a, a force of nature, like such a heavyweight actor. And I've been very lucky. I've gotten to work with some of the great, I think some of the greatest actors. Um, mm -hmm. and Brian is among those few. 
And, you know, for me, it's like he was someone that played Lear at the National when right. I was, oh, yeah. you know, a little kid. And Did you see him? Uh, no, I mean, I think I, 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 I must have been, I, you know, I, I don't even know if I was born yet, you know? I mean, I think he's just <laughs> been, he's had such a, he's had, he's been sort of uh, uh, on the mountaintop for so long. Mm-hmm. And he has that thing that is that is a rare quality with actors but it's what the great actors have which is just a sense of danger there's something Mm -hmm. primal about him and he listens completely and he is um you know i don't feel like i'm i don't ever feel like we're acting we don't i don't feel like we're doing scenes i feel like we are just like meeting in the ring and Mm. And, um, you know, and, and, and one, of the, one of the great things about the process on this show, to Jesse's credit and Mark Mylod and, and the other directors that we work with, is they really let us, you know, the, I would say that the actor's process takes primacy over everything else. You know, I've been on a lot of movies where it's first and foremost about the script or first and foremost about the way we're shooting a scene. You know, and you sort of have to fit into the parameters of a shot, or you're just trying to execute moments in a way that are precise. Mm-hmm. And to me, that can be a very difficult way of working because it's harder to it's harder to get into a flow, and it's also harder to make discoveries, I guess, mm-hmm. um, uh, within mm-hmm. a scene. Mm-hmm. So, so Brian and I will often not rehearse at all. A lot of times on the show, we won't rehearse at all. Mm-hmm. We certainly won't talk about the scene and we'll just do it and we'll do it on camera and we shoot on film, which adds another element of sort of rigor, which is very exciting and, and feels dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but that's, you know, I find, working on film, um, you know, you can't do that in the theater, but you actually have a chance working in film to have the camera capture the moment where you're actually having the experience, where you're actually making these discoveries and these moments are actually happening. So that scene on the boat, I remember we started to rehearse it and we were losing light. And it was one of those scenes that I felt strongly, um, we shouldn't release any of the tension that I felt I had by rehearsing it because mm. surely if we rehearsed it, then whatever's going to happen is going to happen in the rehearsal and then we're, and then we're fucked. And so, so I stopped the rehearsal, you know, probably to Brian, to Brian's, um, uh, uh, you know, um, <laughs> consternation, or <what>? consternation. <laughs> um, and, you know, and he's, and he's, I've had, I've, I've done this in a lot of our scenes together because I feel like especially those scenes are scenes that should, should sort of, uh, you know, we got to just walk the plank with them. Mm-hmm. And so he has, he has sort of allowed me to do that. And, 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 and I remember that in that scene, you know, we, the two camera operators, you know, we didn't have marks on the floor. They were crossing each other. They didn't know what we were going to do and neither did we. And that was what was so exciting about it. 
Um, it's a, so it's, I'm sorry, it's hand, like handheld cameras? Yeah, 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 okay. often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the camera department is really incredible and dexterous and, and, you know, just incredibly agile in terms of finding the moment, um, mm -hmm. you know, that we don't have to, a lot of shows you do, you do a number of camera rehearsals, you do a blocking rehearsal. And by the time you get to actually shooting the thing, it, it's sort of taxidermied in a way, you oh. know, uh, rather than alive. So, 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 so. I think that that is part of the result that that we sometimes get on the show. Um, so I you were starting. The, you were starting the, to say that you started to say that you were losing the light and you stopped the rehearsal in that critical. Scene. Yeah, let's just. So, yeah. Yeah, I just we. I you know, I don't want to lose the the the. Um, it it feels to me at least like you have you have filled yourself up with the writing you're prepared for a scene it's like a rain cloud you know it's it is completely to the sad saturation point and the moment you enter into the scene and engage with it it's going to rain there's no way whether it's a rehearsal or not a, or a take you know i don't even know what those things mean if you if you the moment you start at the beginning I think whatever's going to come out of you is going to come out of you with a force of necessity and a, and a, and a, and a pressurized sort of force. So I think what I found is when we started to rehearse it, I started to have the experience of the character and I, and I didn't want to do that with, without a camera on. I think some actors have a great facility and a technique and an ability to, to do that again and again. And I, I'm probably just not a skilled enough actor to do that. Um, but I do think that, uh, given the chance, there's a small aperture through which I might be able to, um, you know, make a discovery. There's a, there's a great book of interviews with Francis Bacon that... Uh, My favorite painter. Yeah, me too. Oh, really? And, yeah. And, and it's by uh, uh, David Sylvester, and it's these interviews that go over 30 years. And he said this thing that he said, he said that if his, if his paintings had any value it was a result of accident and chance. And I guess I think, um, I think that that's true for me. You know, I don't enter into the work with any kind of prescribed idea of how to do anything or what might, what, how it should be, or, you know, a result that I, you know, of course, actors are always burdened with, with a, a, a desire for a result, but you have to relinquish any attachment to that. And, and, I think, um, you know, make room for the possibility of accident and, and chance. So, 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 when, so when you did this scene, did, was it like you did one take, you said, no, it's not rehearsed. Let's just do, yeah. let's just roll the cameras. And then was it, was it just a single take that you did? You I think we maybe did two or three takes, but you know, I think we yeah. had it in the first one or the second one. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's, a it's, a, it's a lot like you're not going to go back there too many. No, times. no. And it's, and it's, you know, and the writing is so good. That's the thing. The writing really does the job for you. It takes you there, you know, mm -hmm. and in a way you just have to, um, I don't know. There's a, there's a, I always do this, but I, I can't stop myself. There's a, there's a, there's a wonderful quote, uh, that Garcia Lorca said about the Duende, which is like the, this idea of sort of inspiration or the spirit. 
And he said that one must rob oneself of skill and security so that the duende might appear. Mm. And I guess I feel like that's the only preparation that I understand before entering into a scene. Um, and if the, you know, does that, that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like it would take quite a toll <laughs> on you. As a yeah. It's, just, it's super <laughs> frightening. It's super frightening, but I guess I feel like, um, it's, uh, you know, that's where, when there have been moments that have, that have sort of come unbidden that have taken over me or have happened in scenes. It's, I think it's a directly a result of, of that sort of approach um, of, 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 a, of a, in a way, just kind of being a blank slate towards, towards what might happen and, and, and being open to it. Um, did you refer to King Lear before? You did when you were talking yeah, Brian, about that Brian that Brian had done it because um, because this I mean it, it feels like yeah. this show feels very much like Lear in in so many ways and even with the comic relief you know that you get yeah. um, and there's a lot about what goes on in, with the these enormously wealthy and powerful media families in real real life that does feel like Lear actually come to life. Um, how how do you process, if you process at all, the relevance of the story that you're in and this sort yeah. of cataclysmic uh, clash of families? By the way, I, I, I will confess to you that I couldn't watch season one, actually. I, I found it so... Um, because we, we cover the media. I'm in the media and I've covered the media and I've covered these families for yeah. 20 years or 15 right. years, the first part of my right. career I was abroad, but since I've been in, in Los Angeles. And so it was so, to me, it was like so close to what I'm familiar with that it was like, I can't spend more time with these rich assholes. <laughs> you know, sorry for saying. And then, no, it, it, and then it drew me in. I just like, I, and now I uh, kind not only can't look away, but just, you know, just you know appreciate every nuance and, and everything you know every set every everything um so i have my own take on it as somebody who actually is an observer and a chronicler of that of that world how now that it's so um front and center not at this moment i would say right of this particular moment of unrest but in general this framing of the damage that is done by um uh, a media corporation that doesn't seem to take the measure of um that, that plays politics rather than does journalism or that plays business rather than does you know straight up news uh and yeah no certainly you know so, certainly okay, so, yeah. it's like you know certainly fox is sort of the biggest vector of spreading you know, of, 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 uh, of pumping pathogenic, uh, you know, stuff into the, into the, into the groundwater of our country. And, you know, the leer of it, I think there's a lot of things to your question. Um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's all great because Certainly, you know, it's, it, there was even a book that the great English author Edward St. Aubin wrote called Dunbar, which is, which is a Lear media book uh, that came oh. out after our show or right around when we were making our show. Um, so clearly there is a, you know, there's, a, there's something archetypal 
about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot, I think, you know, I, I, I love Shakespeare and I think a lot also about Richard III and I think about Hamlet in a sense of someone who is sort of, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, kind of paralyzed and incapacitated by, by a baffled will. He can't take action. That's Hamlet's whole dilemma. And, and Kendall, in a way, is stuck. Um, um, you know, there, there, there's, there, was a, there was a note card in the writer's room when I first went to the writer's room before season one that said, Kendall wins but loses, which oh. was sort of amazing you know, just encapsulation of the whole thing. But, you know, the media side of it, yes. I mean, I was on a, I did a, I did a sort of Zoom call with Penn America a few days ago and Abigail Disney was on the call oh. saying, essentially, how did you know? Um, oh. you know to Jesse. And it was really amazing. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, obviously I read a lot about the Murdochs, I read about the Redstones, I read about a lot of different dynastic families and media families, and this is not any one of them, but there are elements of all of them. Um, and I've thought a lot about James Murdoch. You know, it was, it was, it was uncanny to be making the show and to see what was happening, both with Viacom, but also with Disney and Fox and Fox going, you know, becoming sports and James sort of, you know, uh, uh, out in the cold. And so that, that, that was incredibly painful for me in a sort of, you know, empathic way um, because I can only imagine, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's Lear divvying up his kingdom and preparing the children to to sort of take over and um, and so and so also these things to those children that I don't trust that I that I I don't really trust you with my empire yeah. essentially yeah exactly exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm going to trust Bob over there exactly mm-hmm. you know and so what happened on my show is uh, I said all right well fuck you and then and I'm gonna you know it's my turn. Um, essentially, <laughs> and, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm going to Disney. Um, so, <laughs> which, which in a way is what Logan has wanted the whole time. You know, he's, he's tried to create this sort of blast furnace for his children to be, um, strengthened by and made tougher by and and you know um to be you know in a machiavellian sense the lion and the fox and so i think that one action of kendall's at the end of season two is sort of probably the first time where logan feels like there's you know that that i might be his son after all and i do think that kendall has that fire in his belly and he has that in a way, monstrous capacity. That's what's so both exciting dramatically and frightening for me to think about where he might go. You know, I don't think that Kendall is, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he is a killer. Well, he already turned on his father once, so, um, you know. But he, you know, he even did that, I would say, with a certain measure of ambivalence and, 
trepidation. Mm -hmm. This time, it just felt there. This time, it was easy. Mm -hmm. um, it was just clear, and there's no turning back. And you know, uh, uh, I think up until the last minute, I really was prepared to be made a sacrifice of because a lot of what the season was about is the sort of stations of the cross and and doing penitence mm -hmm. for my sins essentially mm -hmm. and you know from which i never thought i would come back from um because i think kendall has he's crossed all of his own moral and ethical lines and he's lost a part of himself irrevocably and well, you so say, he, you, he says that in that scene you say uh that it's that you deserve it you know when when yeah. uh, logan says I, this yeah, is, that's right you're the one and he says well you know i guess this is what i have coming and then logan and i meant that when i said it i meant that i deserve it and i was intending to do it uh until he said yeah <laughs> i was yeah until he says well sorry what until he says what he says about the boy in England. Um, and when he says he's nothing, when he says the, 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 the thing he denied saying, uh, uh, you know, about the, about the, that he was a, a no uh, person, person no real, real, real person involved. Yeah. And that was a revelatory piece of writing on Jesse's, you know, that was a very last minute rewrite. He and I had been talking quite a bit about that scene, and I felt like I didn't, still did not have the catalyst to for the for the for the reversal that needed to happen, mm -hmm. and that didn't come until the eleventh hour. And for me, that was that was that because I, you know, we all know that my father is is a monster. We know he's a bastard. We know he's not a good guy. I don't think I knew until that moment that maybe he's actually evil. Um, that maybe he is, you know, it's like in that moment, I see the Gorgon head of, 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 of what my father is. And I lose faith in him. The, uh, you know, he's sort of the altar that I've been worshiping at for my whole life. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it is very, it's very eye-opening, and once I see that, I can't unsee it, and it changes me. Mm. So, do you think then the character is is changed in that way, season three? Like you're a different, it's a different version of Kendall. Like, I think probably, yeah. I think so. You know, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read it yet, mm -hmm. but I but I do know that this is a moment, at least at the end of season two, where where I come into my power. Um, mm -hmm. And, and what that power will look like is, I think, very, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for that dramatically because I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, I think it might be extreme. I think okay. I am my father's son. And I think, you know, mm. Kendall is also, um, Kendall's an addict, you know, I mean, I think, there's a sense that when sober, uh, there is a addiction to power that and control that is a substitute. And that can take you to dangerous places and scary places. And, you know, 
I thought about in a way, you know, when I when I fell in love with that girl and and brought the actress over to Scotland, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a, you know, mm-hmm. it was a, a preview, sort of, like uh, a taste. Yeah, there was an almost there was yeah. almost like a something. There was almost a mania that Jesse had written into it, like a like a like a. It was like this love rocket that the character who had for so long been, you know, in the ninth circle of hell, just needed something to to give him, you know, boosters out of that place. And there was a there was a sort of hyper conviction to to the way he felt before it completely, you know, died. But there was a sort of, uh, you know, a, there's a sense of Kendall of like, you know, Jerry Maguire up at three in the morning writing his manifesto. There's a zealous, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way in which Kendall often goes too far. And I guess, uh, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm very interested to see how far I might go in my, you know, uh, in my reign of, of power. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, it's interesting to think about, you know, when a person has what they want, I think in a way they can become lost. Um, if the mm. pursuit, if the, if the search and the pursuit and the struggle for something has been someone's whole life, there's a certain emptiness that can come with sort of attainment. Um, and you know that's what when Richard the Third when Richard the Third says my kingdom for a horse, uh, you know I think I think Kendall might find himself um, you know in this position at the top that might just feel like the sword of Damocles is about to fall on his head at any at any moment and his crimes. Uh, which are dogging him at his heels. You know, there's no, there's no, um, you know, it's a Kendall wins but loses scenario. So, mm-hmm. so how far can he outrun himself and his past before he basically, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what, what, you know, what J- Jesse and I have sort of talked now and then about the crack up, the Fitzgerald book and, you know, this sense of a person who's sort of uh, drawing on a bank account that, that has been empty for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting as an actor to think about. I, I don't want to let you before I ask about um, one, of the, one of the most talked about parts of the season, which is Kendall's rap. <laughs> um, were you surprised to see that that, went viral and has become a meme in the culture it's totally yeah i guess so i guess so i mean i try and i try and sort of stay uh off all that stuff so i but i'm peripherally aware of it um i was surprised yeah Yeah. i mean it's it was everywhere it was very, you know, I've never, I never thought I would be like a halloween costume so that was that was that was a uh, 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 very, um, you know, that was a, a sort of watershed moment in life. But I, you know, I guess I felt like what I loved about that was that was an example of kind of the way in which 
Jesse, uh, you know, just puts me through the ringer. It was like, you know, I, I like to take risks and, um, but that one certainly, you know, I've, that's not something I've ever done before. And I think I had three or four days to prepare it and learn it and do it. And, um, so it felt, you know, there was really a sense of walking the plank with that and, and, you know, and it was fun. Um, yeah, had it was to. fun. It was also something we didn't rehearse and no one saw it or oh, no. had cameras on it. And, and, and what I also liked about it is for the whole season, because of the way it was structured, that Kendall is sort of a recessive presence and sort of playing dead until he flips, you know, turns the tables so momentously. Mm. And I knew where the arc of the season was going. And I, so I had to sort of, you know, uh, sustain, I guess, that, um, the, the, the kind of, uh, you know, I'm not sure how to describe it, but, but this, the sense that this person is just a shell of a person. Mm. Um, so there was very little for me to do that was expressive or active and, and, you know, rapping is something that feels very kind of empowering. And, 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 and so just that alone, it was, it was nice to have a chance to do something to express, uh, you know, as a way for me to express my love for my father, but it was also, you know, Kendall is rapping in the back of his Maybach in the, in the pilot of the show. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, I think it's a part of him and it's, and it's a part of his kind of, bravado i guess you know which which sometimes seems um you know i think at the beginning of the show feels very put on and maybe at this point in the show feels a bit you know i mean i know everyone sort of thought it was cringe worthy and kind of painful but i thought that it was quite convicted and committed and you know it's something i really like about kendall um how yeah. committed he is. I mean, the, well, it, it wouldn't have become a cultural uh, meme if it didn't work. I mean, the scene, the, I mean, not just the scene worked, the rap worked. The rap's like... Yeah, the rap worked. I mean, that's Nick Bratel, who's just a genius. And, he's and, so great. You know, he called me in my hotel room in Glasgow to do the rap for me. And because I had advocated cutting it almost immediately when I read it in the script. Because you there was did? No, there was no rap that was written. It just said like, Yo, kick it, MC, and I was like, "Oh God, this is just this is I'm, this is just going to be silly." Um, so, so Jesse, you know, and Jesse always there's a great uh, there was a great thing that that Jacques Cousteau said that that genius was in knowing how far to go too far, mm. and Jesse always knows how far to go too far. So he mm -hmm. so he knew. He knew that this is actually right in the place where the show lives in that sort of in that sweet spot where the show lives sort of veering between absurdity and pathos. And oh, wait, isn't it a little cheeky for you as the actor to call the creator of the show and say, can we cut this whole scene? Uh, well, I, you know, maybe, but I, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the first time <laughs> okay. that, I, that I've, you know, uh, uh, I wouldn't, I, 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 I think I'm always very respectful because I, I, I deeply respect Jesse and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm probably quite, um, 
you know, outspoken or at least, um, you know, uh, 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 combative when it comes to feeling what is right for the character and not right for the character. That some other writer might be, um, you know, much more defensive about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, 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 as soon as Jesse sort of walked me through it, I mean, I'll try anything. You know, and I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have not done it, but I did think, you know, it, this might just be silly and I don't know how we pull this off, you know, unless we have a real rap that's good. And I remember he sent me an Instagram video of a guy named Mike Hess, who's a sort of billionaire oil heir mm-hmm. who had, who had went up on stage at his 40th birthday and rapped with Nelly. And, and it's really good. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's committed and knows what he's doing and you might think whatever you think about it. But when I saw that, I thought, Oh, okay. If this can live in that place, this could really work. And then when Nick did the rap for me, um, then, then it just felt like, okay, I have to, I have to go for it. Wait, he called, he called you and like sent you the, 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 all the, no, he just did it for me over the phone. Oh, he did it. He actually did it for you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, well, this is, uh, the show's such a gift, really, to, to, uh, to the culture, you know, and you. your character. For me too. Is, yeah, it's just so great to have that level of excellence all around. The whole cast is just stellar, and it, I, I, I think you've created something that will hold up over time, which I Thanks. think is the really that's, rare that's thing. Very- Friend of you, thank you. It yeah. does, you know. It feels like, as you know, there's not a lot of, um, you know, given sort of. I mean, there's there's so much great stuff on television now, in a way that, of course, there there you know there hasn't always been. Uh, but it's like it's narrowing in terms of things of this level of 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 quality and getting to do it over a 10 hour canvas, you know, for an actor, the chance to sort of feel fully expressed in a, in a piece of work and have something that just is going to like make me summit El Capitan, like every, you know, every few episodes is really, um, is, uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so grateful to, to, to be part of it. Um, and so, yeah, so, so thank you. It means a lot to me. Yeah, no, I, I thank you so much for finding the time. And I know everybody's, of course. I don't even know what time is like probably dinner time for you over there. Who knows? Um, yeah. but, uh, anyway, um, just know there's a, there's an army of us fans out here <laughs> and, thank um, you. you know, I, I hope you stay safe, but it sounds you like too. having it, you're going to have, no, a, no, it's yeah. Great summer. And I hope you get to start, shooting the new season because uh yeah me too i'm 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 ready i'm ready to go so i i hope we can start soon too and And you'll just like hop on a plane when that happens like you're just gonna you can just yeah back over it yeah 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 yeah. um and hopefully i'll i'll hopefully i see you when the world is uh you know when we when we are not all in a virtual world anymore that'd be great well maybe i'll see you at the emmys who knows it could happen. Okay. Okay, just, okay. I, I don't know if you'll remember me, but you know, 
You'll try. Of course I will. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Okay. All the best to you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of The Wrap-Up. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please remember to follow or subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. And be sure to rate and review us and let us know what you think of the pod. Until next time.